Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with the February 7th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specification. In today's broadcast, we'll take a closer look at the rise in oil prices and how the mega construction projects now hitting the planning stage will affect the electrical market. Let's first check out some key weekly economic indicators. They are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring today's electrical comedy in for 2022. We had a terrific response to the presentation last year and delighted to be working with Champion again to deliver them to you again in 2022. Let's first take a look at unemployment claims at the state level. The weekly unemployment data from the U.S. Department of Labor and the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics highlights the states with the most unemployment claims. This will, we'd like to take a look at the claims that are over 1,000. That will give you a general idea of which states may have an issue with unemployment. Week ending January 29th, the advanced figure for seasonal adjusted and initial claims was 238,000. That's a decrease of 23,000 from the previous week's resized level. Total non-farm payroll employment rose by 467,000 in January. That's a big increase. The unemployment rate was little changed at 4% for the month. The Bureau of Labor Statistics that unemployment growth continued in leisure and hospitality and in professional and business services. Retail trade, transportation, and warehousing industries also showed an increase in employment. Nine states had decrease of unemployment claims of more than 1,000. They are Ohio with a decrease of 5,093. Kentucky checked in with a decrease of 2,330. Illinois had a decrease of 2,106. Alabama had a decrease of 1,574. Massachusetts came in with a decrease of 1,415. Utah had a decrease of 1,358, Florida had a decrease of 1,265, and New Jersey had a decrease of 1,163. Only four states had an increase in claims for the week ending January 29th that topped 1,000. Pennsylvania was up 2,654 claims, Michigan was up 1,445 claims, Indiana was up 1,129 claims, and California was up 1,092 claims. Georgia also came in with a relatively high figure of 968 claims. An interesting leading indicator for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic because it's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR. It publishes this, this data weekly. In its report for the weekend on January 29th, AAR reported some decline in freight traffic across the board for the month of January. We have to keep a close eye on this trend. AAR Senior Vice President John Grace said in that press release, for most traffic categories, U.S. rail volumes for January were down compared to last year. That said, last January made for a very difficult comparison for a number of categories. For example, the January 2021 was the best January for grain since 1990 and was also at that time the highest volume month ever for intermodal units. Conversely and more optimistically, this year's January was the highest volume month ever for rail car loads of chemicals and this provided a strong base for future growth in this critical commodity. For the first time in months, AR reported only three categories with increases year to date. They are non-metallic minerals with an increase of 5.1% through the January 29th year-to-date data, chemicals with an increase of 0.8%, and coal with an increase of 5.6%. 
the increases with large declines were petroleum petroleum products minus 20.1%, motor vehicles and parts with a decreased year date through January 29th of 19.8%, and total intermodal units with a decrease of 14.8%. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count. This tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating right now. The data is available by state, basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. I always like to include this slide in our presentation because it gives you an idea of where exactly the largest oil and gas deposits are in the United States. It gives you a good sense of just how many of these large oil plays are in, the, in Texas and Oklahoma and how big an area that is the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. The Baker Hughes rig count remains solidly ahead of last year's pace with a 56% increase over rigs in January 2021. It, right now, it stands at 613 operational oil rigs. Texas is up 98 rigs to 287. Oklahoma is up 32 rigs to 50 rigs. And New Mexico now has 92 rigs in operation, a 51% increase. The Permian Basin in Texas added the most rigs with 96 more rigs than it had last year. It now has 293 rigs operating. The Eagle Ford Basin, also in Texas, has 22 more rigs than last year. The Williston Basin in North Dakota has 19 more rigs. And the County Whitford Basin has 16 more rigs operating than last year. A lot of the talk in the oil market right now is all the speculation about the price of West Texas Intermediate and the Brent Intermediate Indexes, which and when they will hit $100 a barrel. That's a level that the industry hasn't seen since 2014. Over the last 10 years, oil has averaged $65.66 per barrel. That's largely in the strength of prices back in 2012 and 2014. In more recent years, the price band has narrowed to between $40 and $60 per barrel. Economists attribute the most recent spike right now to fears over Russians and tensions with the Ukraine and inflation. The Baker Hughes rig count generally follows a rise and fall of oil prices, as you can see in the 10-year trend line charts in these slides. Over the past few months, the price for West Texas Intermediate crude broke well above the $60 ceiling of the most recent training range and topped $90 per barrel earlier this month. Oil prices have always been very volatile, but over the past two years, as you, you, can, you can see that some of the biggest daily jumps in the last 20 years. You take a look at the chart at, at the bottom right. We are looking at increases on a daily basis, percent basis of over 20% in, in the early years of the pandemic. We also saw some very large drops on a daily basis in 2020, where we were seeing 10 10% drops in a day. So a very volatile marker for sure. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future economic activity. It's used in many industries with the construction industry being among the leading markets because of its wide use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Copper prices continue to ride high and on Monday, February 7th, they were at $4.49 a pound. That's quite a bit above the five-year trading range. Since 2017, the average price for copper has been $3.13 per pound. Electrical wholesaling's January-February issue that will be hitting the streets this week has a cover story on trophy jobs. These are the interesting projects that are now underway or on the drawing boards that exemplify some of the current trends in the construction market. One of these trends is the rise of the multi-billion dollar mega projects that are many times larger than the typical construction project. One of them is pictured here, a running with a Ford electric vehicle battery plant that will be built in Kentucky. Ford also will be building a facility in Tennessee near Memphis. Here's an example of some of these colossal projects. 
There are no less than four semiconductor plants that are under construction in the planning stage or that will be at least $10 billion in total construction value. Some of the other large projects over in this large range of over $5 billion include the Ford Motor Company plants that we mentioned in Kentucky and Tennessee. The total construction value for these plants will be $11 billion. We've got a large mixed-use project in Frisco, Texas, just outside of Dallas, that is expected to come in at $7 billion total construction value. We've got General Motors spending on several plants in the Michigan area, $7 billion in spending there. And the Mayo Clinic, over $5 billion in planned hospital expansion and related facilities in Rochester, Minnesota. The Rivian, one of the newer electric vehicle companies, is also announced plans for a large vehicle plant in just outside of uh, Atlanta, $5 billion in spending. An important question that needs to be answered that relates to these mega projects is where is the, all these workers going to come from? There's, there has been a continuing shortage of workers in the overall construction industry as well as for electrical contractors. Uh, the CEO of, of the National Electrical Contractors Association spoke on this topic at the re recent Na National Electrical Manufacturers Representatives Association meeting in Dallas last week. Loan told attendees that Fortune 500 companies are always contacting with a request for more workers and that in recent weeks he's had a couple people call him saying they're going to need thousands of electricians on their projects coming in. When you have this amount of work shortage out there, it means more seven-day, 12-hour shifts. And unfortunately, when you have people working that long for an extended period of time, you've got safety issues that become more of an issue. You've also got burnout and absenteeism, said Long. Worker shortages do create an opportunity for the use of more innovative prefabricated electrical products and systems. Contractors want to save labor and time on the job set with pre-assemblies and or prefabricated electrical products and systems. Two companies that we're looking into that have definitely taken a hold of this trend toward pre-assemblies and prefabricated electrical products is Graybar, which has moved aggressively in this area with a product offering from a number of its vendors. And on the contracting side, Faith Technologies, based in the Midwest, which is a lot of national work, through its Accelerate prefab unit. They make anything from the more conventional electrical whips and pre-assemblies for devices to some very large uh, self-standing uh, uh, rooms and medical units. It's actually pretty interesting, and I, I encourage you to look at uh, www.accelerate.mfg.com to get a look at just how far they've taken this. Graybar's prefabricated initiative is called Install This, Install That. This slide gives you an idea of just how many different companies offer products and that can be fed into this whole idea of prefabricated products. In Graybar's uh, situation, they're, they're featuring manufacturers including 3M, Brady, Doty, Eaton, Greenlee, Hubble, Ideal, Panduit, T&B, division of ABB, Envent, Leviton, Legrand, and Klein Tools. I mentioned the Faith Technologies Accelerate Unit and some of the things that they're building there. It's actually based not too far from my office here in the Kansas City area. They're in Olathe, Kansas, and apparently it is quite something to see. They're building from the most basic assemblies like strut racks, roughing systems, lighting whips, panels. They're also doing transformers. They're doing what they call a room and a tote, power skids, and mobile microgrids, if you can believe it. So quite a few interesting things that they're working on to, to, so they can operate as efficiently as possible out in the field. This concludes our presentation for today. Again, a special thanks to the folks from Champion Fiber Dust for sponsoring today's Electrical Economy podcast series in 2022. 
Please give me a shout if there's any other type of economic data you'd like us to cover in these podcasts. I enjoyed getting a chance to chat with many of you at the NEMR meeting and enjoyed hearing what you had to say about these podcasts. I'm, I'm glad to see, see that they're on target and I always look forward to improving them. So if there's something I should be covering here that I'm not already doing, please do contact me at 913-461-7679 or by email at jlucy at endeavorb2b.com. Our next presentation will be on Monday, February the 21st. Until then, stay healthy, be happy. Look forward to talking with you in two weeks.